1: Howdy ho, Pacers fans. Happy Friday. It's about to be the weekend, which is the best. I'm also sitting here thinking about why I just said howdy ho to start a podcast, which I've never done before. Um, but on this episode of Lockdown Pacers, we're going to close out the player season recaps, which is exciting. Um, the draft is six days away, which is also exciting. I can't believe how fast it came up. I can't tell if the draft's had an earlier date this year Or what? Because it just seems like it was so close after the draft. But maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the workouts the Pacers have had, too. As always, I'm Tony East with the West Indianapolis Community News and uh, one of the site experts, 8.9 seconds. Um, And I'm also nursing a small sickness, so sorry if I sound a little stuffy. But I think if you guys have been keeping up, you know that the last two guys we have to do for this, um, the player season recaps are Joe Young and TJ Leaf. Um, and, we, you know, we lumped Al Jefferson and Trevor Booker together because they combined for something like 50 games, and, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't do a ton, and it made sense. Well, these two guys are the same way. Joe Young and Leaf both played in only 53 games. Um, both played, fi- like, 500 minutes or less. Like, not, not a ton of impact from either of them over the course of the year, so it makes sense to do them together, although I think Leaf could have been his own episode just because he was the rookie, but uh, with the draft coming up, we need to... To fit them all in, so we're gonna do both in one. Um, but speaking of the draft, I'll will just get I'll do this part first. Actually, um, these workouts have been uh, something else for from the Pacers, which is interesting to me. Like they had that group with Tyler Wideman in it, that was like a bunch of second round level dudes. They had that Jay Sean Tate, Robert Johnson group, that was like a bunch of undrafted dudes. And I appreciate the due diligence, but uh, it's interesting seeing the guys they bring in. Uh, I don't I'm I'm just infatuated by the group. Not because I think I'm infatuated by the thought process of the groups they're bringing in, just because I don't really get it. Um, I, and I know it's hard because I think as fans you want to see them like bring in these dudes who would be, uh, you know, late Lotto guys and be like, yeah, bring those guys in. Obviously, if they fall, you want to draft them. But uh, it's a mutual agreement, right? So uh, if you have like, like the Pacers hit up Colin Sexton's agent to come work out for them, he'd probably say no because he expects to be drafted before pick 23. and He doesn't want to risk getting injured. Working out for a team that has basically no shot of drafting him, so you know it's unreasonable to think that. But at the same time, like there's a level between Tyler Wideman and Robert Johnson, two dudes who, of course, are cool local stories, but are never gonna play in the NBA. Uh, versus that, like there's there's definitely an in-between ground, and they're like a lot of the second-round guys they bring in are like late-second guys. Besides, um, like Landry Shamit, so. Uh, it's, it's been very interesting to see how it goes. I'll be curious if it, if it has any indication on their draft strategy or if it's just uh, who they've been able to get in. Um, but I was pumped to see they brought in Jalen Brunson. Uh, as some of you know, he is my favorite prospect in this draft that's like a reasonable pick for the Pacers. Um, and maybe 23 is a reach. I see him falling to the second round in a lot of mock drafts, which I think is crazy. I think he's so good. I did not even know he was named after Jalen Rose. That makes him way cooler uh, and has so many ties to his team. Um I don't think his workout was individual, and, like, they like him and wanted that to be the case. I think it was just that's the only day they could fit it in. Um, so don't read into that too much, but the fact that they worked him out at all is awesome, and and I hope they end up picking him, <laughs> but uh, that's the selfish reason. But he would be a good basketball fit, too. Anyway, I digress. Uh, let's talk about Joe Young and TJ Leaf. Um, I guess because I just talked about a bunch of draft point guards. I'll start with Joe Young. Um I think Joe Young's story was pretty cool this year. Uh, the, we kind of saw what everybody thought he could be over the first two seasons of his career. You know, we—it's funny because I—you look at his his statistical profile from his first two seasons. He shot twenty-one point seven percent from three both years, same exact percentage: ten of forty-six and then five of twenty-three the next year. But it didn't it feel like he was a good shooter like for those two years. Like I don't know what it was about him that that like made me feel like he was a way better shooter. Um, and then this year finally happened, so I guess we were all right in assuming that. But it, he shot 38% this year, which I think that might have been the reason that it all it all came to get came together for him. Uh, was because he got that outside shot. He's okay creating off the dribble, which is good. He's kind of quicker and his low center of gravity. It's not that he's like even like super short. He's six two. He's he's actually like the tallest point guard they they've had in the rotation, but his center of gravity is lower. It seems like. Uh, and he uses that pretty well. He can he can get by guys and get to the rim a little bit. Um, not a terrible effective field goal percentage. Pretty good field goal shooter, free throw shooter. Why did I just say field goal, man? It, this is this bug is killing me. Um, but 52% true shooting is 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 huge for him. Um, his efficiency was leaps and bounds. The reason that he was able to stay on the court and be hit useful. His true shooting percentage in his sophomore season went to his career high. At the time was 43.3%, which is lower than Lance. Like that's so bad. Uh 52% is at least passable. Still below average, but it's passable and that's really nice. Uh and you like to see that from Joe Young who can actually play now. Uh and I don't know what that bodes for him. Um you know, I I don't know what the improvement for him is. He's already 26. Did you know Joe Young's 26? I did not know Joe Young's 26. That might be a lie I just told you. He is 25 and 353 days. <laughs> He will be 26 before free agency even starts, so I did not. You know, you never look at Joe Young and think he's that old, but he is that old. So, I the the growth coming at 25 is kind of fascinating, to be honest. I mean, that's not usually an age you see that from guys. Um, But beyond the shot, I think something that the the from outside uh, something that went wrong for him was finishing at the rim. Uh, a dismal percentage at the rim, 54.8 um, percent, and that sucks. Like Collison, you, know, you can say it's because he's short, but it's not. Collison was above 60 percent, um, and Young's mid-range percentages were all pretty good, which is good. He's a staple of the Pacers' offense in that regard. But uh, if you, I mean, if you can't finish at the rim when you're as fast as him, you're gonna Missing a lot of stuff, and the Pacers like to hammer guys through pick and rolls. So, if you, you know that gets you the shots that they take at the rim a lot of the time, especially with the, the way Young plays, um, so the, that's not good. He needs to, if he could finish down there, he'd be exponentially more effective. And um, I mean, a borderline rotation player right now, he's a fringe NBA player, that would put him probably in the rotational category just because his offense is polished enough that he could do stuff. Um, but all right, we'll just jump to it. His defense is so bad that it's, it's kind of insane. Um, (laughs) I I can't even quantify it, uh, perfectly, you know, that like net ratings exist, um, and they do an okay job, but you just watch him at the point of attack. Like he, he doesn't know what it's, Nate Duncan, I think is the guy who started, I don't know if he started this or heard this somewhere else, but he's the first guy I heard it from. So I'll attribute it to him. He has the defensive um, tears for guys who stink on defense as can't, won't, and doesn't know how when they're doing specific skills or defense in general. Um, and I don't think it's won't for Joe Young. I don't think it's that he's lazy. I really think a lot of it is a combination of both can't and doesn't know how. Um, and it, he just looks lost on Team D a lot. And he, he, he tries to keep up, but he just cannot keep up with the game. And he and he can't make the right rotations, and he can't defend at the point of attack. It is really bad. Um, and he had a negative 5.5 net rating this season, which of anyone who played in the rotation was far and away the worst. Like, Well, if you count Leaf as in the rotation, which I don't because he played less than 10 minutes a game, Leaf's was worse. But but those two guys, those two guys had the worst, too. And Young's uh, defensive rating, 107.4, was 11th on the team. That's really bad. <laughs> That'd be like 23rd in the league or something like that if it was a team um so yeah they did not defend well with him on the court and he's and you know sometimes that's a a a flaky fluky fluky stat um but for him it was not uh he just he has no idea what's really going on out there he gambles for steals sometimes too um it, it just doesn't work out he he doesn't have the quickest hands for a guy who's fast he just can't keep up with everything going on and It doesn't work. He just he just has no place out there at all, and that was really what hinders him from being any sort of value on the court. I mean, he even no matter how much he scores, he just gives up as many as he puts in. Um, He's really counting on his teammates to help him out on that defensive end of the court, which is, you know, concerning because he's a guy who's pretty much a score first point guard, and on the Pacers, you don't need score first point guards because they have a lot of other guys who can score. Uh, and I say score first point guard because, did you know that his assist percentage was 9.9%, which is like insanely low for a guard? I mean, his rookie year it was 26.9%, and that's a point guard's percentage. Like you should be, you should be probably getting a, at least a fifth of your team's assists if you're the point guard on the court. And he was less than one in every ten. I mean, that is obscenely bad. His rebounding rate was down this year, even eh, by a career low. I mean. His steal percentage was down. His turnover percentage was up from last year. And all that was while he was getting less usage. So, you know, that's why I say he scored first is because all the other stuff, he just did not perform at all. Um, So you could say he took some steps forward because the skills he needed the most, which is scoring, (laughs) given the way he plays, he finally got them. Um, So those are monumental steps for him, actually. I'm underselling that. That's huge. Like, now he has at least a... Chance to like be in the NBA for a couple more seasons um, because he's proven that he can stay on the court for 500 minutes and not just be horrible. But he doesn't really have a lot of redeeming NBA skill qualities outside of scoring. And I'm writing about a guy that I would like to replace him as the fifth guard on the team because it's someone who, you know, is not great on D. Um, In fact, most would call him bad, but I would say he's better than Joe Young on D by a lot, um, which isn't hard. And he is way better on offense, so I personally think mostly because of the timing of his guaranteed date being July first that Joe Young is gone. Um, if his guarantee date was later, like August first, he might have a chance. He could he could stick around and see how the Pacers handle the whole market and decide from there. But uh, or the team could decide from there, which could help them. But I don't uh, I don't know. I mean, last year oh, I cannot remember who it was. It was someone on the Trailblazers. They pushed back their guarantee date, and then they ended up making the team. Um, so it worked out for them. It kept them on an NBA roster for long enough for the team to get the intel to keep the guy. So I actually think Joe Young might try to push back his guarantee date. That might make some sense um, for both him. Oh, well, he has an option, doesn't he? Never mind. I don't even think that's legal. Just disregard everything I just said. It's actually not legal to push back an option date. It's only legal to push back a guarantee date. Um, but I don't expect him to be on the team next year. Um uh, to be honest, I didn't expect him to be on the team this year, so I'm probably going to be wrong about it again. But I mean, he just hasn't shown. En- I said this last year too. I'm just. Gonna- I wish I could carbon copy things I said. Um, he just doesn't have enough skills to be worth keeping around at 26. He's not. His last name is Young, so this sounds dumb, but he's not young anymore. Like he is entering his prime of the NBA, and he just averaged 3.9 points per game. <laughs> like this guy is a fringe NBA player. You can do better with the exact same amount of money you'd pay him. Uh, to have a fifth guard, and there's just no reason to keep him anymore. There's there's just not a reason, and I'm happy he played well this year. He that start he had when Collison was hurt, he did really well. Um, but he, he you know, the team just does not do well as as a whole when he's on the court. Minus five point five net rating is not good, so. Fortunately i think joe young's pacers tenure might be coming to an end even though i did enjoy his story this season and i did enjoy a few games from him watching him score and i cannot believe his nba career was three years when they drafted him i thought his nba career might be three months so that's pretty cool overall as a story and maybe it's not over at all another team might pick him up but yeah uh we'll see what goes on with joe young i don't think he'll be back next year he's not young.
0: The-
1: Speaking of young guys, uh, let's do TJ Leaf now, who absolutely 100% will be back next year. And you know what's hilarious? I will uh, sound dumb telling this story, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, I went to the Pacers draft workout that had DiVincenzo, and they give you these these sheets with like a little bit of background info on all the dudes working out and like their college stats and stuff, and DiVincenzo had his birthday on there, and it was in January of 1997, That's not, like, crazy young for a prospect. Like, he's 21. And Trisha Whitaker was there with Wish TV and stuff. And I look at it and I go, oh, my gosh, 1997. I, like, freaked out because for some reason that just seemed so young. And she also was like, oh, my gosh, 1997. Like, we're so old. This is the first time I felt old as a journalist. And then I didn't even think about it. that Like, T.J. Leaf was born in 97 and, like, E.K. was born in, I think, 99, 98. Like, I, I don't know why that... Uh, Dante DiVincenzo's birthday just jumped off the page at me so much like that, that should not have been the case at all I've seen younger dudes literally already on the Pacers, which is funny Um, Yeah, EK was born in October 22nd 1998, that is insane just thinking about it I wonder, no, I think next year will be the first year there's a player in the NBA born in 2000, not this year, but either anyway, leave is still pretty young he just turned 21 Um, I want to say the day after the the buzzer beating loss to the Cavs um irrelevant he gets a play in the, the game he gets to play in i think is the one actually that he turned 21 right after anyway um early in the year he was in the rotation he oh let's just let's go all the way back to the draft um i didn't like him when i scouted him last summer so i was kind of upset with the pick for being honest um and then you know in the summer i thought okay maybe you know this stretchy four guy could be something he'll clearly be the backup i mean given the Raster constraints, so I guess I'll give him a chance to be a scorer. They need that kind of punch, um, and then he was in the rotation early in the year. And like, okay, like rookie pass ability, like you you don't really have to do anything but shoot just because of the way this works. Um, but he couldn't do anything. <laughs> I feel mean saying that, um, you know, and it it stinks to see because there's still a chance and you have to give rookies three years like everything I say take with the caveat of like this could be like this could all be useless information in two seasons but I just didn't like anything I saw from him besides his shooting and I'll give him credit for shooting 43 percent from three because I think that was like the second best percentage uh, from a rookie um he all of his threes were assisted like he shot the right shots so I mean, those are all good things, but he only took forty-two attempts. Like we cannot gather a ton of information from forty-two attempts. Like like you saw from Joe Young, he went what ten of forty-six one year, and then this year's thirty-eight percent shooter. Like it, that's not enough to make any branch. It shouldn't be enough to make any branching statements about a guy's shooting. So that is you know it is what it is, and I think we have evidence from his college days to say that he could be a good shooter. Um, but his free throw percentage also stunk this year, sixty-two and a half percent. Um, and that's usually a hallmark of a good shooter, is good free-throw shooting, so that is, is a little concerning for him going forward, because that's his skill, like, if he can't do that, I don't know what the heck his NBA fit is at all, like, that could, that that could end up being one of the worst picks ever, um, but he did finish at the rim really well, or pretty well, and that is good, you know, 61.2% at the basket is good for, uh, the way he played, he didn't get to the rim a ton, but when he did, he was okay, you know, and that, that's good, um, I mean, if you're going to be a stretch four who can finish at the rim, if you, if, if other skills come around for him, he has a place. It's just I don't know if that stretch four part will actually be a thing based on what I just said. A um, little side note. I think we and Adam have said this on the show before, but it's worth reiterating. It cracks me up that Kevin Pritchard is like, oh, we need a stretch four next year like to, to fill around these guys, and they have TJ Leaf. like They have no faith in this dude already, um, which is super sad. It and it, So... I don't know, he could be something, but let's go back. Um, He just, like, didn't show anything else either, which is bad. Um, Getting injured in the summer league sucks, but, like, uh, he didn't... He, like, did pretty well, but he didn't, like, dominate in Orlando, which was not good. Um, And then when he actually played, like, his rebound rate was okay, 10%, like, is fine. But I think how it usually goes is the the 5 and the 4 get, like, 40% or 50% of the rebounds for a team... Uh, divide that over two teams and you're splitting 25%. So he's a little bit meh as a rebounder. I mean, he was fine. I, I can't grill him for his rookie rebounding. Um, so that's okay. Um, I think I don't think he needs to work on that, especially as a stretch guy. He's not going to be in the positions to get him. Um, but on D, the reason he's not getting rebounds is because he's getting cooked. <laughs> so they Or the other team just puts him in an action every time and keeps him away from the rim. So, maybe that, that was mean. I I mean, that was wrong of me. He's a better rebounder than I just said. He's okay. He's got the anticipation skills. He's just out of position a lot, both because he's a rookie and because of the way he plays. So, I guess he's an okay rebounder. I will, I will walk back that sentence I literally just said. Uh, block rate and steal rate both below 1. Uh, not much of an impact on the defensive glass. But here's a good one, and I do like this about him. Uh, 6.5% turnover rate. That is really good. Um, and I feel like he does... Dribble pretty well. I feel like he dribbles po- like positively in that he knows what he wants to do as soon as he gets it, and he and he dribbles that way, and he doesn't lose it very. Well. Like I think most of his turnovers anyway were either bad passes, or I remember he had a hilarious travel against the Bucks. I don't know why I remember that play so vividly, um, but yeah, he doesn't turn it over very much, which is good. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that from a guy who, you know, doesn't fully understand the game yet, just because he didn't play a ton. Um, But it really all comes down to his defense, too, like Joe Young. Because if Leaf's a good defender, if Leaf is a below-average defender, like, he is right now one of the worst 10 defenders in the NBA (laughs) levels of bad. If he just gets to below average, he becomes a rotation player because his offense was fine, like, they could stretch out the floor a little bit with him out there. I don't think his offensive rating was, like, uh, uh, oh, it was bad, never mind. (laughs) 103.5, which is still better than Joe Young's. And Trevor Booker's. So, I mean, it's bad. It's like 20th levels in the league bad. Um, but it's not, like, atrocious. And if you can keep him on the... Like, if he's just going to be feeling spot minutes next year, which I imagine his role will be, like, 10 minutes a game at most, I mean, you can get away with that level of offense from your reserves. And if he shared the court with Vic Moore, that number would go up. So... I don't think all hope is lost. You know, I'm very critical of him. I think it's very known that I'm not a supporter of A the pick or B his basketball skills. Uh I don't think stretch fours who are strictly stretch fours even have a place on like good teams anymore. Like look at the final four teams in the playoffs. No way TJ Leaf gets to Kevin Love's level of rebounding in D. That's another thing. Kevin Love is an average defender, so like that T saying TJ Leaf gets to blow average and you know, that's a thing. But Kevin Love is the only comparable guy on any of the four teams in either conference finals for Leaf that is, like, like play style, I guess, that that played. And there's no way he's going to get to Kevin Love's level of, like I just said, rebounding or D or dribbling or, you know, playing with LeBron is a skill that Kevin Love has. Um, And then, you know, for the Rockets, Ryan Anderson didn't play for a huge majority of the series when he did play, that people on the internet and, other, frankly, probably other league offices or front offices were like, why the heck are they playing Ryan Anderson? And I think Ryan Anderson is T.J. Leaf's ceiling, and that's concerning. Um, I mean, Ryan Anderson's an okay player. He's probably a little bit of a net negative, but not nearly as much as Leaf was this year. Um, the Warriors have no one resembling that play style because they just they don't need it, like... <laughs> this is not a use like this. Player type is not useful for title teams. The Celtics don't have it either. Um, the Raptors don't really have it. I guess you could say he could get to Ibaka, but Ibaka used to be like all defense level good on D. So I don't th- like Ibaka this year. Maybe he could get to, but they couldn't play him in the conference semifinals. Um, the Sixers have Saric. That's not a horrible. If he could get to Saric levels of offense, he'd be great. Um, but that's far enough far for him. Um, and then in the West, I don't think anybody has anything even kind of like him, uh, resembling that play style. So it, there's just a lot that has to come for him, um, for him to be useful in A, meaningful minutes, and B, uh, to be in a rotation. So I'm not super pumped about what we saw from him this year. But again, like I said, the caveat at the beginning is you got to give him three years because he could learn a bunch of skills that make me look stupid for watching him and saying this guy can't defend or do anything. Um, so take all that with a grain of salt, but we have to review his season because it it, it was, you know, it's important. Ricky do tell you a lot. Like Donovan Mitchell was amazing this year, and you know he's going to be great for a long time. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I think Leaf might be in the rotation, though. I think, I mean, his contract is going to be at least two more years. They're for sure going to pick up his third year option. Um, so he'll, he'll probably get a crack at it as the backup for, um, And I'm okay with that, I guess. I think their second unit's going to be better after free agency and the draft, so I'm okay with that. If they draft another four to play over him, I might be okay with that, too. Um, But we'll see, and that could be the dumbest thing I've ever said. But that is it for our player previews. Um, Young and Leaf were fun. I actually like talking about the young guys a lot. I like talking about the dudes that no one else cares about. Um, I think those are my favorite dudes. I just pay attention to them too much. Maybe that says something about me. But anyway... um, Thanks for tuning in for all these play recaps. It was a hoot. Um, we'll probably continue. Oh, yes, I need to promote something and tell you something. Um, Locked on NBA Network, we did a mock draft. Uh, our pick episode airs Monday. We got a pretty sweet pick at 23, if I do say so myself. Um, me and Adam have a five minute blurb on why we picked him and who we were considering, which is pretty cool. Um, But tune into those. Those are super fun. Uh, And the episodes are really cool, and everyone who's listening has hit me up and said they really liked them. So I highly recommend those. And we'll talk about more draft prospects probably next week and the workouts in general Um, and just just some general draft strategies. Um, So just be on the lookout for that next week. Um, Other than that, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Hope you enjoy these player season recaps, and we will talk to you guys on Monday.
0: Hey, Prime members.